0: Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five star review.
1: gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you holding up tonight?
2: Uh, Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well.
1: I'm glad to hear it. We want to thank you all for joining us for this episode. We are... Well, we'll be getting into a variety of topics, I think, tonight. But first, we're going to take care of our shout-outs. The first one is going to be to... Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four. Capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. No spaces. Save 10% on your order. And then our other
2: shout out means that I hand it over to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, condolences to Orlando Cologne. I heard he was runner up. In the Biden VP sweepstakes, (laughs) Uh, but apparently it was they went to someone else. But I heard he was shortlisted. Oh man,
0: he didn't get the (laughs) breast implants quite
2: fast enough. Get me on. He would have had my vote though,
1: as always. Yep. All right. So, hey everybody, Uh, I think we're just we're just planning on being a little more low key tonight. You know, last week we had the great interview. With Duke Allstriker. and then tonight we have decided that we are going to roll up our sleeves and reach into the bag of holding. Officially,
2: Ooh. officially, because we were trying to do it two weeks ago, and then it just <laughs> it just turned into like I an hour and a half.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, like two hours of complaining. I, right. um, but I th- I felt like that had been building up.
0: Yeah. No, I had. I, you know, the only regret I have about that episode is I did not, I did not take more shots at how awful Bruce Pritchard's booking of Raw has been.
1: Well, we didn't make fun of Kevin Dunn near enough either. So. See,
2: that's the funny thing is that in the two weeks since we had that complaint session, it, oh, it got somehow, worse. It somehow <laughs> got worse. Uh, we missed out on the whole debut of Raw Underground and Retribution.
0: You know what? Retribution finally ended me posting on wrestling message boards, like, at all.
2: How so? What do you mean?
0: Because, like, so the whole Retribution thing, because, you know, it's supposed to be like an analog of Antifa. Like, it's really just on a lot of the message boards Mm. I post on, it's just removed any illusion of not talking about politics. And people are just talking about politics now instead of wrestling. And it's just like, I don't.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I that
0: don't. Is, I, I'm that done. is not like,
1: why I come here.
0: Yeah, like I I wanna talk about guys rolling around in their underwear. Like can we can we just talk about <laughs> that? Like please.
2: It, yeah, I mean I I live in DC. I grew up here. It's like the last thing I want to talk about is politics. Like I'm inundated with it every day. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't want to hear it. I just wanna I wrestling is like, you know, it's an escape, it's a hobby. <laughs> I just wanna talk about that. But yeah, I I see what you mean.
0: It's just like it's it's just it's I don't know, like it's just ruined everything else, and now it's just like I can't even I can't even talk (laughs) about like something as trivial and stupid as wrestling without it being polluted by politics
2: as an aside, because they're obviously like they're supposed to be an analog for Antifa. Yeah, I call it Antifa. Is it antifa or is it antifa? I've heard it pronounced both I ways. Don't know. I don't like, I like saying uh-huh. antifa because I feel like it. I feel like the pronunciation is more fun. I think it <laughs>
0: depends on who's saying it and what kind of mood they're in that day and blahdy blah blah.
2: Maybe it's like the Vietnamese um, noodle soup. Is it pho or pha? It's like well, I guess it's whatever the hell you yeah, want. Yeah, Jerry <laughs> right. Clark calls it pho.
0: Remember, like when. Um, Remember when Bin Laden was big, and you either got Osama or Usama Bin Laden? Yeah, like I think it's like that.
2: My wife and I, because I heard before um, before we went there, my wife and I went to Vietnam for our honeymoon. Um, and it actually, Vietnam is actually an awesome place. Like I would actually recommend if people want to want to visit. Obviously, if there is Asian places you want to visit, like I like Japan is a bucket list item for me, but uh, Vietnam is actually really great. Um, it was very inexpensive and the people were really nice. It was beautiful. It was really cool. Um, but I heard beforehand, it's like, because I always said pho. And I, I was inundated before and it's like, no, it's not, that's not the right way. That's like the American way. It's pho. And I'm like, okay. So then I went there and I swear to God, I heard Vietnamese people call it pho. <laughs> and I came back and I like told, look, they said pho. Like what do you want me to do? And they're like, "Well, that's just their their regional pronunciation." It's, it's like, "What do you gonna what do you want from me?" If they're <laughs> gonna if they're, the gonna, if the they're country... gonna call it if they're gonna call it foe, don't be like, "Well, that's just their accent." It's if, like No, if... they're saying foe.
3: And they're
0: Congrats. they're the people that like are from the country of the food's origin. Like you defer to their I swear pronunciation. they said
2: faux. That's what I heard. <laughs> the anyway, worst, I is, the
0: this. worst is um the one that like grinds my gears for pronunciations and I know Shad deals with this because we're we're not he's in Appalachia and I'm not but we're still like Mm. kind of in geographically close regions but when people say Warsh it just it's like you might as well when you say that you might as well just pull out a chalkboard and start dragging your fingernails across it
2: it has the same effect see I feel like uh, a little bit further north from DC and Balmer. Baltimore. Oh God, that's a good word. They have that kind of like regional, that sort of an accent too. It's like hey, I gotta go wash my car. <clears throat> you just uh, remind
0: me of Jim Norton when you say that because he says Baltimore like that.
2: Baltimore, yeah. Ba- ba- or Balmer, Balmer. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, it's it's actually really unfortunate because like it, it, this is uh this is kind of annoyed my wife and and myself to no end. But our, our daughter's name is Bowie, like Baltimore. David Bowie. Right, because we actually both of us are both of us are like David Bowie fans, but we also just felt it was a really cool name.
0: Do they say sure. Bowie?
2: They say Bowie because there is a te- <laughs> there is a city in in uh, southern Maryland, which is not like maybe it's like a thirty minute drive outside of D.C. That's it's spelled Bowie, but regionally they pronounce it Bowie. So people here have been like, "Oh, is your daughter's name Bowie?" And it's like, "Why would I name her Bowie?" Like that's the <laughs> that dumbest thing even, I've heard. It, That doesn't it's even like work with every-
0: the. That doesn't even work with the l- the letters you have in there.
1: No. Well, but but Jim Bowie, the uh, originator of the Bowie knife, d- did do it that way. And um, there's – I I will apologize in advance, Matt, if I ever do that because I don't – you have very clearly said that's not what it is. But if I ever do that, I grew up with a dad who was a big fan of – of Cassius Clay, who was a friend of Jim Bowie. Actually, I live not far from Cassius Clay's home of Whitehall, and you know, there's great stories, and a lot of them involve him using his Bowie knife um, against political opponents. There was, there's a great story about a guy who tried to uh, who tried to kill him during a speech, hit him over the head with a hickory stick, and then tried to shoot him, but Bowie had his knife tucked inside of his coat so the so the bullet bounced off the knife and then he pulls the knife and begins to and i quote cut at him in earnest from his autobiography so well, that's um, fun. yeah the story is pretty funny but um if it ever happens i apologize in advance i'm not trying to be insensitive i'm i'm fighting against muscle memory
0: so Matt, you made some mention of AEW toys um, before we get to the one thing before oh, yeah. the bag of holding. Do I want to suppose that they were sold out?
2: So I, I have like a mini rant about the AEW toys because so I've I'm I've, starting. This is like a bad thing to get into because it's time consuming. It's expensive, but I've gotten into or I've decided to pick up like some of these uh, figure collecting. Like the WWE figures, AEW figures. Um, they put out like a new line of G. I. Joe's that are like six inch, which are really, really cool. I like and, showing you guys some photos. And you,
0: you learn and you've been complaining about and I think I've heard a lot of people complaining that, that Target is just incompetent when it comes to Yeah, any kind of exclusive because they just let scalpers run rampant.
2: Yeah, they um they've this line has just started and they had five original figures, which it's like, I haven't even seen those in stores. Like they were selling out immediately, but I I was able to get some of those uh, through Amazon. Uh, But this was, there was like four different target exclusives and target put it up on their website. um, Not that long ago, maybe like three, four weeks ago and they immediately sold out, but they sold out in like, like seconds and i don't i'm not exaggerating like they like sold, they out,
0: sold out to bots essentially is what <laughs> they happened.
2: sold out to bots so and people were really like upset about that and then target i guess acknowledged they were like no no we're gonna we're gonna make these available like nationwide like you, you're not gonna have a problem and so you've not you haven't been able to find them. they haven't gone back up online anywhere um and there's i guess there's they're supposed to be in stores, but there's question marks about when they're actually supposed to go in stores. Uh, it's been a disaster on that front. But somehow, AEW is worse. Because uh, AEW uh, putting out a line of figures, which is like, it's a big deal for them. I mean, now, again, that's like you're you're one of the big boys now. You're kind of competing with the WWE in more ways than one. Now you got your own line of action figures. So they put out six figures. Uh, Kenny Omega, Cody... The Young Bucks, Brandy, and Chris Jericho, and if you were if you wanted to pre-order them from places like uh, Ringside Collectibles, which uh, I did not want to do because I am uh, I'm a loyal friend to Christy Petrillo, friend of the show. Wait,
1: yeah, I was going to say anytime we bring his name up, we
2: have to refer to him by his title. Yes, uh, <laughs> he is my uh, storyline brother, not real life brother, Christy Petrillo. That's a that's a uh, fully posable... Reference Shout out to those guys. Uh, they're, they're also, even though they haven't been on, they're friends of the show. Um, really nice guys. But anyway, Chris uh, has, has a lot of feelings about Ringside Collectibles. There's some bad blood there. Um, uh, I think it's a long story, so I won't get into it. But I don't want to order from them, so I haven't. Uh, but the way it was uh, breaking down is that they allegedly were dropping in the stores on august 3rd so we're like a little over a week ago and they didn't and then people were like complaining they're like what's what's the deal why aren't they showing up and there's now i mean what a what a change from when i was a kid or even just like a few years ago it's like now there are websites where you literally can check to see if stores have stock
0: you know i've done that for video Mm -hmm. games before and they're never accurate
2: uh it's gotten more accurate because in the last week, uh, last couple weeks, I did search, uh, like, in my local area for specific figures, like, WWE uh, figures. Mm-hmm. And they did actually point me to a store which did actually have everything that I wanted. But it is, like, it's not ac- it's not 100% accurate. Cause they, yeah, because they definitely... Yeah. Cause it, cause you're
0: they're essentially what it does and why it, it has trouble with accuracy is it kind of data scrubs the 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 store's internal inventory so you're at the mercy of the store to actually be keeping accurate inventory
2: yes, and it's also it's also a situation where it's like you could be expecting like let's say like five figures or five of this product like on the shelves and maybe it's not maybe it's actually like in the back somewhere you can hear uh you can hear my
3: daughter's
2: (laughs) she's got strong feelings too doesn't she? you can hear my daughter and not going to sleep in the background yeah um anyway so they were supposed to come out august 3rd and people are like checking websites to see and it's not showing up anywhere so clearly it's not like oh yeah they they just sold out it's like no they didn't even hit the shelves because people are people are bold. Like they will go up. This they're they're Walmart exclusive outside of like Ringside Collectibles, who are selling them. Uh, kind of they're for pre order. There for pre order. So people go up to Walmart like employees and it's like, what's the deal? And Walmart is Walmart employees are actually telling them like either various combinations of like, oh, we haven't got them yet, or well, they're going to be coming out on this date, which was like not not the third. It was like some several days in the future.
0: Yeah, and the people telling you that, if if they're telling if they're giving you a date, there's a good chance that it's sitting in the back in a box with a "don't put out until"
2: certain date. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so now they have slowly been appearing, but it is not like you can just walk down to your local Walmart and find them more often than not. It's from what I've seen, they have popped up kind of randomly, I think in Texas and in Florida, but it's not been widespread. It's definitely not in like this area because I've been checking like every day and nothing within like a 25 mile radius of like DC proper. So they're, they're not here yet.
0: We Um, haven't even the Walmart by me hasn't even got the masters of the universe figures yet.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's random. Like the DC area is actually not very good for finding stuff. Uh, you can, I, that's why it's like me getting into collecting is kind of like a, it's been, it's almost like I want to bang my head against the walls. It's like it's it's supposed to be a fun thing, but it's just like an, I'm kind of like a, it's, uh, I'm just constantly getting frustrated. It's
0: it's not like, a fun. So I did it. I did it way way. I'm um, we're talking. We're talking this is 20 years in the past Like I did it with Star Wars figures And um Remember when the Todd McFarlane spawn toys Were like
2: Oh yeah they were really big Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I did those for a long time And um It's just different now Because well one everything's expensive Like it's insane how Mm -hmm. much stuff costs now Yeah But it's I was trying to tell that to like someone That it's not fun anymore Because it's not like It's a lot of that stuff's just for hobbyists and, like, the chases and stuff now. Like, it's really... I think they're really going to ruin the toy market here in the next decade because they're they're falling into, like, what everyone else falls into where they're just catering too much to the collectors.
2: Yeah, and that's... I mean, that's the frustrating thing. I mean, I, I, I don't mind, like, w- doing a little bit of work to find something, but it shouldn't be, like, a, the only way I get it, it's, like, if I drive like 25 miles away from my house to find it at this one like random store. Like or that's like not the
0: shady man, like urinating <clears throat> behind the trash can just <laughs> happens to have it for you.
2: He's got yeah.
1: it right next to his uh, recordings of the original uh, Star Wars Christmas mm-hmm. special.
0: Yeah. And that I Doctor mean, Who episode that, uh, that um, hasn't surfaced yet.
2: I mean, look like uh, another friend of the show, my friend, uh, Justin that we know, Mm -hmm. Like he, where he lives, he's up in Canada. It's like, there's, there's like one Walmart. So if they don't have them or they sell out there, it's like, he ain't getting them unless he somehow buys them from somewhere else online. Yeah. But, but I live in the DC area. It's like, I, there's multiple Walmarts around, or at least within like a, at 20, certainly within a 25 mile radius. There's multiple like targets around to find stuff. Like I, I, I can do a little bit of like legwork to find it. That's fine. But again, I, I shouldn't have to scour for everything, and that's the problem. Like just with these collecting now, it's like if you let's say like a, the AEW toys, like yeah. if they come out, it's like you basically <laughs> if they're dropping like let's say today or let's say tomorrow, like they're dropping tomorrow morning. It's like I work, like I can't go down to the store. But if I don't go, you, or often than not, it's like if you don't get it that day, you're not going to get them because they'll sell out. And then maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. you'll find them. Maybe yeah. they'll bring in more stock, but it's it's like a big question mark. Uh, But the thing that's frustrating to me is that, and I'm sorry to use this term because it's been been politicized, but AEW stars are like totally gaslighting (laughs) the fans. Because if you don't know, if you're not like trying to collect them, you don't know maybe the specifics. But Cody's like retweeting people who are going into the Walmart shelves and seeing empty pegs. And they're like, oh, look, all the figures sold out. And Cody's like, look, they're all selling out. Look at this. It's great. Like, retweeting all this stuff. And it's like, no.
0: That's probably, like, ha- Spider-Man stuff that's been sold out for, like, three months that they haven't been able to get stock to replace yet. Yeah,
2: well, it's like they haven't sold out. They haven't actually even hit the shelves yet. Like, they're not up on the pegs. Like, you're not seeing empty pegs like everything's sold. You're yeah. seeing empty pegs because they they haven't even put the product out for sale.
0: They, they just They just – so <laughs> – Okay, I've worked retail, so I'm going to use like Walmart jargon, but they've just remodded to get to to be able to put them out. They haven't put them up yet. That's, that's probably what's happened.
2: Yeah. But they're kind of I mean, people like Cody, I really I'm a fan of the guy, but he's not being honest with the product. Probably and doesn't, we've also
0: but Co- but Well, the, but the, I don't know. I will defend him. Cody probably doesn't get that. How that all works either because that's If you're not if you're not into the toy Market like you don't Kind of get it because I, I, I want to go back to what you're saying about How frustrated it is though like I don't Have the space for it but I think I would be more um, Agreeable To collecting a couple things if Even if you had to Put some work in that you could at least On your first stop get three fourths Of the line and Just yeah. have that one or two you've got a. You've got
2: a weird deal for a bit. Well, again, the problem is like it, it, back in the day, like even like a few years ago, I I I didn't really like. Now I'm kind of starting to collect, but I didn't really collect stuff per se. But I would kind of keep abreast of like what's out there. And before, like with, with some of these toys or specialty things, it's like okay, you can get if they're going to have six figures in this in the first series of the line, it's like okay, you have the six figures, and then the hard to find item would be like a chase of one of those where it's like a different costume or something. It's something like that. It's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's a chase. It's like the limited quantity of that. It's difficult to find that. But it's like, no, now nowadays it's like everything. Like you, everything is hard to find, which that's that's like frustrating to me. And I'm, I'm going to, I have to say like the company that made them jazz wear is like, they kind of have created this because, they created the problem because one, it's like, don't promise don't promise something on a specific date, like Monday, August 3rd, if they're, if your actual like the, the seller is not going to be able to to accommodate that. One, and they've actually uh, I don't know if he's like their PR person or is like uh, some sort of executive, but he actually said like we're, we are deliberately short stocking the first two series because we want to drive up demand so that the store is basically like, will buy future waves of our product
0: because of demand. The problem is that you lose, like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get, like if I want, if I like, I considered it briefly to get a couple of them, but knowing the cluster it is, I'm never going to buy one because I'm going to miss out on the first series. Well, I was
2: fortunate. I was fortunate because Chris uh, actually told me, uh, he like texted me, uh, a couple weeks back and it's like right now go to walmart.com they have cody jericho and kenny on sale so i was able to, to pre-order those on on uh like a retail price but i still need the young bucks and brandy but they've already even said like brandy actually it's like brandy supposed to be in the first wave and they've already actually admitted now like the last day or two they're like oh actually brandy is not going to be on the assortment that's that's right now being provided to Walmart's. she's going to come in like a future assortment because they want to make her like artificially the chase and it's like you so you're only putting out six figures and you're already like saying that one of those you're not sending it right away
0: See, <laughs> so I, what, what's the I just I feel, that feel like it's a be- lot
2: of pr bad blood jazz wares, they make I, I,
0: will, I will never buy anything they ever put out if that's their marketing strategy
2: i guess they do they do the Fortnite toys and they do they got the license to do like they, there's um there's six UFC fighter figures as well.
0: That's just bad strategy. (laughs) Like if you, if like your strategy should be that everyone that wants one can get one.
2: You're going to sell more that way. I mean, I understand the concept because the, the, the marketing idea is like, if you only give a limited supply of series one and two, where there's a lot of interest, then people are going to be like, they're going to do this. They're going to like, basically buy up all the supply and then the store which isn't necessarily paying close attention to these sort of things they're just going to see oh like this product completely sold out let me order more of it in the future when they put out more like series 3, series 4 etc. I get the
0: most the most of those stores are on automated inventory systems like so I don't even think their strategy is valid to getting the stores to buy more
2: be that as it may, like, I understand the logic behind it. I just feel like even, even accepting that, like, they still, this rollout, it's, it's still kind of been, like, a disaster. It's
0: scummy. It's like, it's like a very, <clears throat> it, it comes off very cynical.
2: Oh, it's incredibly cynical. And it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Because, again, it's like, maybe I want these figures, but I don't want to pay, like, Double the price on secondary market, or a, yeah. a, a scalper, or like a, a random website, just to get them.
0: It's very um, it's very like how video game game companies are now, where the game comes out on day one and it has a fifty dollar DLC coming out with it, like season pass.
1: I hate that crap. And
0: then like you get to like six months in, and the the season pass doesn't even get you all the DLC.
1: I got bit by that one time when Injustice came out. Uh, I got the season pass for that and there were going to be I think I think there were going to be four DLC characters but I've come to find out it was only good for three of them and the last one was Martian Manhunter. Uh, I was so mad.
0: Or if you know you're um, or if you know you're looking forward to that Square Enix Avengers game and Spider-Man's only going to be in the P as four four version
1: yeah um my brother ran into that with uh one of the arkham games because the the thing that the where my brother started sinking his teeth into comics was the nightfall night's end arcs and so even though he he will say full on Yes, John Paul or Asriel Batman was was bad. That was the point. He has a soft spot in his heart for for Asbats. Guess what? Only place you can get you could get a hold of it was PlayStation exclusive. And he was so mad that he was like, "Fine, I'm I'm not buying any of it. Then I'm out. I'm done."
0: Yeah, I mean, I just I have no I have no patience for it anymore. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue plugging along, trying to. Because
0: uh, those those figures are probably what like twelve to twenty bucks a piece too.
2: <clears throat> oh, they're they're pricing them the same as the WWE elites, which are twenty dollars, and that's expensive for a toy. But for me, as like someone who's collecting them, I think that's I'm willing to pay that because they're not they're not. I mean, again, each of these waves, even like the the WWE elites. <clears throat> They're, they put them out in roughly like six figures a wave so as long as they're doing that maybe like a quarter then it's like okay like I'm not I can do that but if I was I, I'm a, I am a parent but it's like if, if I had a kid who wanted these toys like $20 is kind of a lot just generally like I know Chris does it for his kid but it's a lot I mean that's, that's kind of price that's getting kind of pricey like again I can I can manage that as an adult with a, a, a decently paying job and I, I, could, I could kind of assume this is a hobby, but I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a big ask. The other news that came out about just talking about toys. I, I don't know if you saw like those new Japan toys.
0: I did see them, but I,
2: those were really cool. They've, they announced two series. So eight figures thus far I had, I was going to, I, I probably will get them at some point. But I think they're like fifty dollars a figure. Yeah,
0: they, they've always been. Anytime there's been like those cool figures from Japan that to import them, it's always been like fifty bucks. Because I remember oh, like back they, in like two two thousand four, two thousand five, I thought about it, and they were yeah. like forty or fifty.
2: They're like fifty each, um, which is very that's a high price point. So. Yeah, but they do. The figures do look amazing. the The complication that I, I just read is that I guess because of COVID, uh, it's really just taken a bat to produ- production. So yeah. these figures, which were allegedly supposed to come out in October, so they weren't even coming out like now. They were coming out in October. The rumor is that they're getting pushed back even further. And hmm. these were, I think, advertised like. These are put up for a pre-order sale at least, probably three months ago. So you're talking about a a product that was announced and then won't come out for like, I hope within a year. (laughs) Within a year that they're. All right, that's enough. um, Enough talking about toys. I'm kind of monopolized.
0: And um, (laughs) I wanted to bring it up. Um, We'll probably do more for him in the coming weeks. But uh, Kamala passed away over the weekend. And. you know, it was actually weird timing because we did that SummerSlam and I actually had to check to see if he was still alive or not. And I was surprised that he was. I think I was confusing him dying with when he got his legs cut off a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, because of was diabetes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's a shame. I I think we might try to do like a couple matches for
2: him down the road. I was I'd be interested in seeing like his Memphis stuff Because I think just about everything I've seen of him Has either been the WWF Slash WWE or WCW
0: I've seen him in um, There's that weird like Crockett match he had with Magnum TA In like 1985 Where he showed up for a couple of Like world championship Wrestlings Um, I think I've seen him in world class And mid south But mostly WWF. He, uh,
2: he apparently right before like WrestleMania three, I guess, was doing like the house show circuits with Hogan.
0: He did the. I think he did, he was doing it with him after too. I think.
2: Okay, I and, think and he allegedly was like,
0: Hogan's summer opponent with Harley Race in there mm, as well.
2: Ah, uh, but I mean, allegedly historically, like they drew like really big business.
0: Yeah, he was one of his better drawing opponents.
2: Which I think. Um, I think Kamala actually complained about that because you know Hogan was getting like absurd amounts of money yeah. from the the box office, and then he was getting like it's like Hogan would be getting like here's your fifty thousand dollar payout for the the box, and then he'd be getting like here's a couple grand.
0: Yeah, I think <clears throat> so. Okay, so um, like I said, I think we're gonna we're gonna try and focus in on him more. I think in the coming weeks. We just, um, there were some, I had some issues this week, so I really didn't have um, time to like put into any like show prep, so that's kind of why we're doing a bag of holding. (laughs) Because when you wake up and your face is swollen up and you have to go to the ER and you're on Benadryl for like a week, uh, life's not very good.
1: (laughs) That does not sound fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, let me... Let me get the questions here. Mm-hmm. So, um, first question out of the bag of holding is: What is your favorite comedy movie? Let's us. Uh, I'm going to start this off with Shad.
1: Okay. So, um, I was I was really working very hard. Before the show started, because I knew this one was in there because I'd submitted it and I was trying my best because I had three and I couldn't remember my third one. I'm sitting here writing funny movies out trying to figure out what it is. So, um, whenever it comes to comedies, like initially, um, you you know, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I probably would have just said, you know, Quest for the Holy Grail and stopped there. And don't get me wrong, that one's great. I love that one. I still do, but I think I've watched it so much that I've kind of worn myself out on it. I, I,
0: I love that movie, but I think as an adult I came to regard Meaning of Life as the superior I, I haven't
1: them. I haven't watched, because at the time I loved Holy Grail, and I watched Meaning of Life and Life of Brian, and I just enjoyed Holy Grail more. Okay, cool. That's just that's just you know, that's just taste coming up. But I, I in that stretch, I had so many people, so many friends who had not seen it that I ended up watching it so many times that it was like, ah, uh, I am, whew, I am tired now. So
0: yeah, I got to that point too. I actually just watched <laughs> um, Holy Grail. Actually, about three months ago, and that was the first time I'd seen it in about fifteen years, and um, I actually enjoyed it again.
1: Well, here are my actually my three actual favorite picks, and these are these are films that not only seem evergreen to me, but I, I laugh every time I watch them. Um, the first one on my list is Hot Fuzz. The uh, hmm. Edgar is it Edgar Wright? Is that it's part of the uh, Cornetto Trilogy of British films with Shaun of the Dead, and I think the other one is The End is Here or something like that.
2: End of the World, s- I think.
1: And, yeah, something like that.
0: I've only seen Shaun of the Dead of those three, so you'll have to okay.
1: Me. Here's the thing. <clears throat> the writing in Hot Fuzz is so tight. It is done so well. They're just about everything in the movie. Ends up being a joke that comes back later, um, and it it comes back excellently. There's Brad, you haven't seen it, so I can't reference them without without spoiling just some amazing jokes.
0: It's okay, I don't but, I don't really watch comedies anymore. So by the time I ever got to this movie, I would have long you, since you'd
1: forgotten. forget what I said. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there. First of all, it's a subversion of an American cop movie because the first two thirds of it is like strict by the book police procedural stuff. Like, you know, um, Nick Frost character is, is very by the book, does everything strictly the way it's supposed to be done, that sort of stuff. And then the last third of the movie, they just cut loose And they take all this stuff that they're like, this isn't what police work is, and they go completely over the top with it. Um, Timothy Dalton's in it. He's amazing. Uh, Long before he was on Game of Thrones, the guy that
2: played the Hound is in it. Um, Really? Yes. So I saw this film, but it's probably been, no joke, like a good ten years since I've seen it. Okay. So (laughs) I wouldn't have even known who – uh, if Sandor, I, say, I wouldn't even recognize Sandor Clegane back then.
1: That's well, his his head is completely shaved in this one. So if I were to look at you and say, "Yarp," that's the hound right there. That's the actor for Sandor Clegane. Um, but so many of the jokes keep coming back over and over and over again, and it's just, uh, I'll I'll say this one. There's one of the detectives looks at him and goes, he wants to go through the phone book, start at Aaron Aaron A. Aronson and go from there? And he's like, yes, do your jobs. Later on, he says to someone, he goes, what's your name, son? He goes, Aaron A. Aronson. He's just like, wait, what? like it is full of jokes like that. And I, I love it. It's, I, 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 and there's, there's a pretty fun, there's even a pretty fun mystery tied into it. So it's, it's, it's just great. It's, it's my, it, that's why it's one of my favorite comedies. It's just so well written. The next one on my list is a tour de force starring Tim Curry called Muppet Treasure Island. (laughs) Mm. I love Muppet Treasure Island. It is, uh, it's just so much, you know, it's the, from, it's funny. The thing I like least about Muppet Treasure Island is the, the kid that plays, um, Hawkins uh Jim Hawkins yeah I didn't think he was that bad no I didn't say he was bad I said he was that was my least favorite thing I didn't say it was bad uh he's he's fine um
0: I my favorite part of that movie is when they're doing the crew call off and I can't remember the name but it's something something bug eating no baby eating O'Brien and then it's just a woman that says I
1: but she's got that real deep voice yeah you know, baby-eating, throat-slitting, blood-letting, bug-eyed, t- bug-eyed Schultz. And then, oh, I,
0: and then I, I love Tom, when... when um, Tom, yeah, old Tom. Dead like, Tom. He's like, Dead Tom's dead! Long John killed him! He's like, but he's always been dead. That's he's, why i call him Dead Tom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and Tim Curry has a ball just absolutely chewing the scenery <laughs> through the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I, that's probably... That's probably my second favorite Muppet movie, but like my um my rankings of Muppet movies is probably way off from other people's because my my two favorite Muppet movies would be the Great Muppet Caper and then Muppet Treasure Island, which I don't think most people would agree with
1: for me it's Muppet Treasure Island and um, the oh I'm gonna mess this up. Um... I guess it was just the Muppets that came out in the early 2010s. The one, the the
0: the one, the one that was like them recreating the show, and then they screwed it up with like bad sequels. That one. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one was good. But, that was that'd probably be that my. Was, that'd probably be my third favorite.
1: It's but it's so heartfelt. Is what I really love about that one. Because it it's, was
0: like um, I don't know his name the the guy that was like the main actor in that wasn't Jason that like
1: his,
0: wasn't that like yeah, his. He wrote it. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like his passion project, and I don't think he did the sequels, and that's why it immediately like went into the trash. After
2: yeah, that. Um, the, it um, got a it got a, like a short-lived TV show. It did, yeah. I didn't get to watch it, but
0: they have a new show on Disney Plus that just started.
2: Uh,
1: now I'm actually gonna have to consider getting Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> the uh. But, you know, it. it you, you have Tim Curry as Long John Silver, and he's got this, this song number of being a professional pirate. And, you know, you can tell he's just having so much fun because in the middle of it, he just kind of leans back. And, you know, because he's, he's Long John Silver, so he's only got one leg. He goes, Upstage, lads, this is my only number. You know, and and they're just having so much, so much fun with it. Um, and as, as a Muppet movie goes, it's hilarious because they're doing a tour of the ship and the rats are like, oh, over here on the right, you can see a set from where they film Muppet Treasure Island. Um, just it's, it's full of your Muppet humor, but it's, it, it just does everything so well. And it's really, it's really fun.
0: Is the a, one now was, is this, go ahead. Did they follow this up with Muppets, Muppets in space that pretty much put them on ice for a decade?
1: I don't know. I, I have not did. seen Muppets in Space. I haven't either. I I
0: May... heard it sucked. The um,
1: yeah, that's what I've heard is that, that Muppets in Space is the one I heard, which is kind of like. Oh, and in watching, um, in watching the the Muppets, the the return that they did, uh, the thing that the uh, there's there's a, a movie reviewer I get a kick out of who, his statement was, you you watch Kermit's first big song in this movie, and you immediately start crying and apologizing to the Muppets, and you when Kermit's doing his uh, the pictures in my head song because he goes I'm so sorry Kermit, I didn't mean to but Muppets in Space was so bad. You
0: realize like do you realize Disney's mishandled them? Do you know Kermit used to fill in for Johnny Carson from time to time? Hey, really? Yeah, no, there's I there's some tonight- Look that. it up after this. There's some tonight shows where Kermit filled in.
2: That's awesome. Add it to the list of things that Disney's kinda well, Oh so, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, we we got uh, Marvel's about the only thing they haven't like Torched, isn't it?
1: I'd have to go back and find it somewhere, but um, there was I, I saw someone do a, a video essay about the live action Beauty and the Beast, and whoever whoever it was that took over after Eisner, who I I can't remember who that was. Eisner's whole thing was, well, we may we don't make family fr- family friendly stuff. We make money in ways that happen to be friendly to families. And it's just like, wow, that, uh, whereas Eisner did that. This guy, like, just picked up and ran with it.
0: And, you know what's hilarious about how much they've messed up Star Wars? Is, like, um, I, I live near, like, a store that gets store overstock. And yeah. they are just, they are just choking on Star Wars product. Yeah. Because it doesn't sell anymore.
1: There's too much of it.
0: Well, and, like, I don't think, um, The newer characters they did, like, they're not particularly great. Like, a lot of them feel redundant of, um, previous characters and stuff, and Mm. they're a little too test-marketed, like, the cute little droid that, like, is the ball. It's just like, oh, how cute. You, um... You obviously, like, test-marketed that for two years to, to sell as many toys as possible. Awesome.
1: Um... But... For runners up, I already mentioned Holy Grail. A runner up, I will also say, is um, Talladega Knights, The Story of Ricky Bobby, because it is completely absurd, and I love absurdist humor.
0: That's I um, my wife likes that movie. I'm okay with that one. I do not like Will Ferrell that much.
1: My, my wife see, doesn't either. either. The only the only I,
0: the only movie I thought he was good in. Well, there's two. Jay and Bo- Silent Bob Strike Back is the security guard. I thought he
1: was okay. <laughs> And um, just the scene in that for when the gunfight breaks out and he runs away, completely not looking where he's going, high stepping, shooting backwards as he's running. That's stuck in my head forever.
0: And then the the funeral guy in Wedding Crashers, those are the only two roles I've ever really liked him in.
1: Uh, I like Will Ferrell. I think he can be funny. Um
0: he plays like like they have some new thing with him on YouTube and I'm like I think my wife watched the trailer and I'm like oh look it's Will Ferrell playing the part of Will Ferrell as Will Ferrell hmm. Like I just I don't I don't like him like I just he can be funny but the problem is everyone wants him to do like Will Ferrell stuff which is not funny
2: I I actually would say I liked Will Ferrell I'm a fan
1: I like Will Ferrell too. It's it, look. It's there's if you're hiring Will Ferrell to do Will Ferrell things, it's like hiring John Wayne.
2: John Wayne's going to do John Wayne things in whatever movie you put him in. If you want if you want a fun, um, kind of brief guest appearance by Will Ferrell, I don't know if, have either. You seen uh, Eastbound and Down with Danny McBride? Oh, right. the TV show. Okay,
0: I've seen so some d- of it, I, and I wouldn't the, surprise me since they do all their...
2: Yeah, I actually think Danny McBride's quite funny. But Danny McBride, um, the premise is that it was a show on HBO. It only lasted about maybe three seasons, but the premise was that he was uh, he was kind of like a has been former Major League Baseball player, and he goes back to like his hometown. He's like living with his brother. He's like just a a loser, uh, but he's trying to get his like pitch back because he was a pitcher. And there is <laughs> there's an episode where he's kind of getting taunted by um, another guy oh god who's playing him let me actually think but it has um, he's supposed to be doing like a, a public appearance he's getting paid to do like a public appearance by a local car dealership and Will Farrell plays the owner of the car dealership and he looks exactly like Rick Flair, and it's it has to be in, it has to be like intentional because they're spo- they're like in the south somewhere. So it's he clearly is supposed to be like Rick Flair, and it's it actually is a really funny like
3: okay.
2: brief uh brief clip. If you um if you like just go on YouTube and search like Little Ferrell Eastbound and Down, you probably see the, the clip. I it's
1: sh- not. I should look up Eastbound and Down if it's as funny as. Uh, funny as that. But my actual third recommendation, no honorable mention, and I can't really rank my top three because they it just kind of depends on what uh, what mood I'm in, but my last full-on comedy movie is Tim Curry a Tour de Force performance in Clue. Mm.
0: I've seen Clue I, in a long-ass time.
1: I absolutely love Clue. There is so much stuff in it that is so quotable, that is so funny. Um, it's it's just
2: excellent. It's so good. Uh, Chad, I will say you actually stole mine. Oh. I was going to say Clue, and Brad, I'm with you. I haven't seen Clue, and I would guess – I would guess, 20 years at least.
0: I think the last time I saw it, it was on Comedy Central.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a, in a really long time. It's on Netflix.
0: I know, I see <laughs> really? it all the time, but yep. I just I just don't devote the time to it. That
2: oh, gonna... man. For uh, some if... reason, when I was a kid, they had that it, it was in syndication, obviously, because it came out like mid-80s, I think, but if, for some reason, like the local TV, there was at least one local TV channel that played it like all the time And they played it at least every other month mm-hmm. And I would watch it So I, I watched it probably several times as a kid
0: Yeah that used to be um, It would be a comedy up there but not one of my favorites The burbs on TBS used to be like All the time
1: Well it's it's 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 1 No one's going to pick that up it I, makes
0: it's, me sad. it's that I, I haven't seen There's a lot of movies it's I haven't seen in a long time
1: 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 no, if you were doing it, that would be one plus one plus two plus one. It doesn't matter. I'm going to shoot you anyway. Ah, yes, very good. So I think. Yes.
0: I, I think um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little different. Like I said, I I haven't watched a lot of comedies. I don't like a lot of the more modern ones. I think they played a little too safe. But um, I think some of my favorite ones there are Young Frankenstein.
1: Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. choice.
0: Um, let's see, probably. It 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 loses impact on future viewings, but I still think it's a fun movie. There's something about Mary.
2: Hmm. You know that got a lot of hype in like the late '90s. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching that in the theaters because it got all this hype. Like, oh my god, this movie is so funny, and people were raving about it. And I watched it, and I thought I enjoyed it, but I was like, I was also kind of like, I don't see what the hype is, and I've never seen it since. I saw it in theaters too.
1: Um there's a lot that it they had that one guy that seemed to be in like every other comedy in the late oh um, mid late nineties
0: boy guy
1: no no not the cabin boy guy the private eye
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah I know who you're talking about I can't think of his name though
1: right <clears throat> now you say the cabin boy guy and I'm trying to put my finger on who that was that was
0: swoogie the guy that like was obsessed with her and was like breaking out and stuff
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's um, that guy always reminded me of um, Daniel Stern from Home Alone for some reason. Um, but I know who I know who you're talking about.
2: Chris Elliott.
0: Yeah, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott. Who's, who I thought he was talking about. Hmm? Um, I don't know. If oh, there
2: was. Uh, I was kind. Of, I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off, Brad. There, there is one scene that I remember that for some reason, like amuse me more than it should have but uh harlan there's a scene with harlan williams and i think he i think it's like uh ben stiller picks him up as a hitchhiker yeah. <laughs> and harlan well harlan williams is like clearly crazy and he's talking about how he's, he's going to make a million dollars with this great get rich quick scheme like six minute abs, like a six minute ab workout and then <laughs> and then ben stiller's like well yeah until someone comes out with like five minute abs." And Harlem Williams just, like, flips out on him. It's like, no! You, you, you can't do that! You can't do it! You can't, it's only six minute abs! And then he freaks out. And for some reason, that has stuck with me, like, 20 years later. <laughs> And he's sitting there with that giant,
1: suspicious bag on his lap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember that scene, No, you're
0: fine, you're fine. Um, I don't know if I would call it a comedy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Princess Bride... Um, I still enjoy
1: i didn't have there are some movies that I was gonna put down, but I didn't put Princess Bride on the list because it, it for me it is not solely a comedy
0: it's it's yeah
3: it's
1: it, it it is a it almost defies genre in in how many different kinds of movie it is. It's got sword fights. It's got giants. It's got true love. It doesn't have kissing, does it? Um, but it's got like I, – I, I love Princess Bride, but it's – I look at it and I'm like, I can't say that it's it's a straight-up comedy because it's, there's, it's too many things in one go. It's like gross point blank. I love Gross Point Blank, but I, it it's not strictly a comedy. It's too many things tied in together.
0: And then um, I will say, um, this is by no means a highbrow movie. You're not. You probably get dumber watching it. Actually, um, I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> and it's it's very lowbrow. But I just watched it within the last year, and I still laughed at it. But Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Ah, uh, yeah. Like there's just still. There's just still, like, something funny about that movie, and I don't, I mean, it's, like I said, it's not going to win any, like, kind of intelligence awards, but.
1: Uh, I haven't seen that, and it's, it's, like, since right after it came out, but I I completely understand why you picked it. Yeah.
0: And it didn't get ruined. I think I also still like that because it didn't get ruined like Dumb and Dumber did. Even though I never really cared as much about Dumb and Dumber, I thought that one was a little too on the nose, even as a teenager when that came out.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, my take was that that Dumb and Dumber was was just living up to its name. <laughs> Uh, Matt, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to 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 jump on your jump on your pick there. I I, I do apologize for that. Oh, I should no, have said fine. something
2: earlier. We're forgetting but, like one of the best lines because there's like a million great lines from Princess Bride, but marriage, <laughs> marriage is what brings us together. Today. That that's a great pick because I would agree that it's not uh, exactly a comedy but it is a fantastic movie it and is. I heard, that's a that's a movie i watched a million times again as a kid and andre the
0: giant is fantastic in that oh Here yeah stop all that rhyming anybody want
1: mean it? <laughs> stop that rhyming i mean it um there's well there's a great story about how um fred savage was where he was in that movie was really disappointed that he wasn't going to meet andre so andre because they weren't shooting on the same days. So they were two different sets, right? So Andre just decided, he's like, well, I'll just come by the set and this kid wants to meet me. I'll just come by and do it. And I've got the picture saved somewhere. He's just got the biggest grin on his face having a ball, you know, meeting Andre the Giant. Um, I've met one person in my life who said, I don't really like the Princess Bride. And I looked at him dead in the eye and I said, you need some Jesus bad. Um,
0: the book is also good if you haven't read the book.
1: The book is excellent
0: because people are shocked you get them to read the book like wait a minute like he's reading the story in the book like yes he is reading the story in the book that is part of
1: the yes point it, it it's a different kind of funny it's kind of a more douglas adams-ish kind of funny not that's not a bad thing but um it is it is a, a different kind same story just a little different kind of delivery
0: yeah
2: I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, like I said, I didn't mean to, to trample you, on your pig. Do you have? No, you're a- fine. You, you, uh, you guys have actually hit upon some of mine. I'm so it's weird because I actually I like uh, comedy in general, and I love I I listen to a lot of like comedy or comedy themed or just funny podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I grew up watching a lot of like sketch comedy. I still enjoy comedy nowadays. So I think. Over the years I think my my taste in comedy has become more into like the absurdist humor or even like anti-comedy, just mm-hmm. weird stuff. Um so all that to say like I don't really like watch comedies for some reason, I just it's not I, I'm not really into them. The only thing I don't, I, hmm?
0: I I do anything that's newer for me, like British comedy seems a little more willing to get a little darker. Oh that is one that's one of my favorites, and it's totally underrated, but Death to Smoochie.
2: I've never seen that one.
1: I've, I've heard fun things about Death to Smoochie, but I haven't seen it.
0: That's a good one. It's got Robin Williams and Edward Norton. Um, I can see why other people don't like it, but I, I had a lot of fun with that. But, okay, what were you uh, going to say, Matt? Uh,
2: yeah, so I don't – there's not, like, a lot of – I don't really like – or watch a lot of modern comedies. My wife loves them, so if we we're like going to watch a movie at home, she'll usually pick like a comedy, like a a funny movie. And she, um, she, I love her, and and she's like the sweetest person. But for some reason, her tastes go like dark. So she, one of the films that she uh, enjoyed most in the last uh, last year or two, what is the um, what was the movie with? Like, Jonah Hill. I think it was... I think James Franco was in it. Danny McBride, where it was, like, the end of the world. This is the end? This is the end. She laughed so hard. Like, tears streaming out of her eyes at that. But it was mostly during all, like, the really (laughs) violent (laughs) portions of it.
1: It You makes you kind of squirm, you see, a little bit how hard she was laughing.
2: Yeah. I'm like, what? Because I thought it was funny. It was a good movie, but... I'm like, what's wrong with you? And why are you laughing? Because, like, somebody gets, like, their head cut off and just starts burst out laughing. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm a little scared now. Um, I I think historic... Go ahead.
0: I only laughed at a decapitation in a movie once, and it was, I think, Dracula 2000. Mm. Because he, like... The vampire, I don't remember, I only remember this scene from the movie, and it's the only thing, but like, he pulls a cross out, and the vampire grabs it. He's like, Sorry, mate, I'm an atheist. He's like, Well, God still loves you, and he cuts his head off. And Uh. I found that quite humorous, but that's like the only decapitation in a movie I've ever laughed at. Mm -hmm. I did cheer when Halle Berry got killed in um, Future Past for X Men just because her storm was terrible.
2: I still haven't seen that one.
0: She comes back to life, so it was a rip-off. But my wife and I were like, yeah, like kill her! She, she just sucked! She sucked! And then she acted like she was too good at the roles. Like, maybe you should actually try acting before you complain about something being beneath you.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'd say historically, you guys hit upon a couple of mine. Uh, I would give honorable mention to Clue, uh, ace ventura i really enjoyed when i was younger um kind of in that same vein like of that time frame i really enjoyed tommy boy you okay with uh chris farrell and david spade yeah, it's chris really farley yeah. uh comedies i have actually enjoyed in more modern times uh i do like will ferrell so i've i enjoyed talladega nights i liked both of the anchorman movies like they're not again these aren't like oh i love this movie it's my favorite movie but they're movies that did it like i was entertained by them and if probably if like if i was just doing chores or something i needed some background noise like those are easy movies to like throw on there and just have as backgrounds they're they're kind of fun um i also kind of like uh i'm a fan of the show so I, i i think south park Bigger, longer, uncut. Oh,
3: that's a good one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although is that a comedy per se or is it a musical? Because
0: I tend to see, I tend to see that as a
2: musical,
0: but um Yeah. Is that a dying if, giraffe? Uh,
1: um but <laughs> South Park is definitely a musical. South Park Bigger Longer and Uncut is definitely a musical because what would Brian Boitano do? The
0: um the guy that wrote Les Misérables said it's a legitimately great musical, so it's a musical.
1: Yep. I remember the year because it got nominated.
0: Yeah, because they for... said it, it lost out to um, Tarzan and Phil Collins, and they just like shit on him for like five episodes straight.
1: <laughs> I remember the live performance they had. It's the only time that I ever intentionally tuned in to watch the Oscars. Because Robin Williams was singing it, because that that was the only compromise. Because like, well, no, we want everybody who's nominated for this to do their songs, but we're going to edit yours. And they're like, well, then we're not doing it. And they're like, but but you have to. And they're like, no, no, no I don't have to. And they're like, well, okay, we're going to have Robin Williams sing it. And the story I heard is they kind of looked at each other, and went, yeah, okay. Because because if Robin Williams is going to do it, was going to do it a particular way, you weren't going to stop him. And, uh, that was, it was a lot of fun to watch him do that live, to watch him lead this group of people belting out Blame Canada.
0: I think, um, I think the real tour de force of that movie, though, is Saddam Hussein. (laughs) Mm.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on! You
0: know, it took me a long time with that movie, though. Like, I had to get a little older and, like, kind of round out my like, appreciation of culture to really, like, kind of see the bigger picture of that movie. Yeah. I think it aged better than it was received at the time by, like, a lot of South Park fans.
1: That, and I think that there were um, a lot of people who were going to be reactionary just because it was South Park. Like, at at the time, there were people who were just like, oh, it's the worst thing ever, and... Like um, well maybe maybe watch it and see what they're doing before you decide it's the worst thing ever. Yeah.
0: Do you have any other ones, Matt?
2: No,
1: I think that's kind of. <laughs> Those are some good picks. Mm-hmm. Those are some good picks.
0: All right. So let's um, let's. I'm gonna tag onto this one. Cause we kind of had two similar ones. Recommend a TV show. I'll start this one off. Um, The, I think it's 2005. The 2005 remake of Battlestar Galactica. The last season's a little wonky, but it's a great show. A great piece of, like, sci-fi entertainment. It's what Star Trek Voyager should have been.
1: Hmm. I, I watched the pilot for it the miniseries
0: like the, the yeah them getting off the planet and all that
1: yeah and that was good um i don't know it, it, i'm not saying it's bad i just i it probably it just didn't grab me
0: i can see it not it's it, the the miniseries takes its time to really like
1: mm-hmm.
0: set things up
1: yeah. well, okay yeah. what what Sell a little bit more on it what uh what about that makes it
0: um great performances uh. the characters are you know believable um it you never quite know where it's going, and it has a feeling of like danger to everything there's like um very palpable sense of like terror and dread. It was one of the first shows that did that like kind of reverse storytelling with like the um the ending. And then it would kind of go back through it. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, the, the idea of the Cylons being um, kind of um, people could be Cylons, like it replaced the Cylons added a real sense of like, you can't trust anyone. Mm
3: -hmm. Okay.
0: And um, I don't know. It's a hard show to describe because it just, it starts out with, you know, them kind of trying to (laughs) find earth and it kind of mm-hmm. goes off in these weird, strange directions. It's kind of like Farscape. It's not as weird as Farscape gets, but it's hard to describe like Farscape is.
1: Oh, Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Matt, what's your
2: recommendation? Uh, I mean, I could give you like a million TV shows. Is it, or are you limited to just one?
0: I'd say let's do one just to like...
2: They keep us from going on forever. (laughs) Can I get... Well, I have, like, many.
0: (laughs) Do a couple. Do a couple, then.
2: Uh, Let me give you... Well, I mean, if we're going, like... I mean, Battlestar Galactica, like, you could... You could definitely make a case that that's one of the... The best... Shows. And certainly one of the best genre shows. But one of the best shows of, like, the last 20 years. It was just a really well-done show. Uh, And I could... I mean, you could... If we're throwing, like great shows, you could be like, oh, Breaking Bad. Like, so shows that actually have, like, critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you, like, three. I'll give you three. Uh, c- that are, like, kind of more un- like not as well-known or a little more unconventional. So, I would, I'll give you different genres, too. Uh, I've talked to you guys about this, Umbrella Academy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: On Netflix, it's on Netflix. It's uh, an adaptation of the Gerard Way comic from about, like, ten or so years ago.
0: Yeah.
2: I think uh, that was a first Dark se-
0: Horse comic.
2: Yes, I think you're right. Um, the first season basically adapts, like, that first miniseries. Uh, they've done a season two. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but it's it's just a really well-done show. I was kind of shocked at how well-done it was. It's really quirky, um, but there's actually good character development. The yeah. characters actually have – mostly have good arcs. Um, Except-
0: I would say, I would say, I, lo- I like every character on the show. Well, the, the, dr- I can't remember names. It's been a while, but the, the monkey and the drunk guy are the best characters, but I would say the lone black guy for me on the show is Ellen pages character and anything she's involved with is terrible.
2: Yeah. She's, um, she is the weak link of the show, but she does have a character arc. Um, it's a good show. Like I, I, really recommend that to people. I was kind of surprised, uh, and there's, there's some good acting there. There's some
0: in, in the backstory, like when they do flashbacks, I think it really adds to it too.
2: Yes, uh, I, I agree. Like uh, Klaus, who's the number four. He's the the drug addict. He is he's like the best character, and he actually um, kudos to the the actor who plays that character. He does a really good job. Yeah, he,
0: uh, you always kind of perk up when he's on the screen on that show.
2: He doesn't. He, he starts off, to me, he started off kind of, like, kind of annoying, but by the end, there's, like, so much character development that's occurred with him that he's he became, like, my favorite character.
0: I thought, like, when I first, the first episode or two, I was like, oh, look, he's trying his best uh, Johnny Depp impersonation. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I really look forward to, like, his parts of the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... Uh, of the other two, I'll give you one. This is horror themed, uh, the Terror Infamy, which was a TNT show. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, it basically it's 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 ten episodes, which, in my opinion, even though it's a good show, is probably like a couple too many. Like they could have done like eight episodes and been fine. Uh, but it's set during uh, World War Two. Uh, it deals with Japanese, um, American Japanese internment camp, but that's not the sole focus on it. Uh, but it does kind of give you some historical backstory to that period of American history. But the main focus is basically it's a it's a ghost story. It's a you have an an onryo, a Japanese vengeful ghost, who basically starts haunting uh, a family, and it gets a lot more detailed and and violent from there. But it's a pretty good show. I was kind of surprised at how well it was done, especially for just like a regular uh, network show called TNT. Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty good. I recommend that. And then my final one, this is actually, I think, a Starz show. But uh, Dublin Murders, which is an adaptation of the Tanya French books. It's, I think, like the first two books they adapted it into um, this show. And it, it covers... The the main plot it covers um, the murder of this girl in a, a rural uh, British town and you kind of explore who the murder they explore who the murderer is but there's a lot of character development there too and the two leads um, do a really well do, do a really good job um, the show gets weird at points that it has uh, a quasi supernatural element to it uh, if you if you read like TV tropes a lot it's that basically it's the trope of maybe magic maybe mundane it's like you're kind of it's kind of left ambiguous whether there's actually supernatural elements that are at play or not um but it's a really good show really well well acted pretty um pretty well plotted so i give that a recommendation as well
3: Hmm. okay
2: that's that's kind of three there for you one's like a science fiction uh fantasy superhero show one's a horror show and one's pretty much just like a mystery
1: I want to invite Matt, the professor, back to the podcast. It's been very nice having you back here. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I, um, I want to do just as an aside because we did cartoons. Mm-hmm. I do want to do like, I want to do like an Adult Swim show, maybe like next month or in the fall at some point, because I think we could have a lot of fun. I know Matt and I could have a lot of fun going back over Aqua Teen Hunger Force and like Metalopolis <laughs> and. Um, oh yeah, Harvey Birdman. <laughs>
2: Oh,
1: I think I've got the first season of Metalocalypse on DVD around here somewhere. I
0: just, I get so much, I get so much joy out of something and being like, "Did someone say cocaine?"
2: I do (laughs) cocaine. Doctor Roxo (laughs) is a tremendous
3: character. He is. (laughs) I'm Doctor Roxo, the rock and roll clown. This song
0: got banned from MTV because you could see my junk. Too much jumpsuit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you just lean in real close.
0: I took okay. You know what, though? (laughs) This thing that makes me sad, though, is they really did ruin it when they went to a half hour format.
2: Yeah, they did.
0: It just wasn't made for that. Like, I just.
2: Um.
1: Okay, uh, TV show recommendation uh, I've got I've got one here that probably doesn't need much recommendation so I'll gloss over it pretty quick but now that it's on Netflix I've gone I'm in the middle of the sixth season. Um, I have gotten more legitimate out loud laughs out of community than I have out of a lot of shows uh, in recent years so. That's that's definitely worth checking out. Um, the if and if you've never done this, I'm going to go back to an earlier subject for a minute. If you've never done this, go back and watch some of the original run of the Muppet Show because it holds up.
0: Is that it, it's, stuff easy to get a hold of now? Because I don't think they have it up on Disney Plus yet.
1: I don't know. Um, I bought the first four seasons when the local Hastings went out of business. So I bought them for a buck a disc, uh, which, which was well, well worth the money. But, um, if I'm going to recommend, or, um, recommend a TV series, then I'm going to recommend justified.
2: Um, it's really funny you say that, Chad, because my wife and I literally started watching that this week. Did you? We're only like a couple episodes in, though.
1: Um, it's one of those – it doesn't take long to find its feet. It does have a little bit of, of finding its feet um, in the first season, but it does not take long. Um, there's a few things i got to say. Is First of all, Timothy Oliphant and Walton Goggins are just – just great in their roles. They're just excellent.
2: <clears throat> oh, well, Walt Goggins is fantastic in just about everything he's in. Just about. Um, but he's he's so good as Boyd
1: Crowder. Mm-hmm. One of the uh the interesting things that I um that that not a lot of people pick up on is it's it's as good let me, I have to qualify it, but when it comes to shows that are set in East Kentucky, there's not a lot of them that do it well. There are none that do it in a terrifically complimentary fashion, so yeah, we you have to settle that, for just um, well.
0: My wife got upset so Glee was set in Ohio, well, Northern Ohio. Uh huh. And they had they did something where they had someone going from Westerville to like a suburb of Columbus, like it was nothing. And she's like, that's a three hour drive. That's impossible. And I'm like, honey, like you're lucky. They don't have people riding cows to school. Like just take, yeah. what you can get from Hollywood.
1: Well, the, the funny thing, uh, in justified is cause Raylan, his office is in Lexington, but he ends up going to Harlan a lot. The funny thing about that is that is a three and a half hour drive. Uh, it's either in the first or second season, one of the uh, the main characters hangs a lampshade on it directly. He just says to him outright, "He goes, Raylan, you make us drive every week." because um, it, yeah, it's it's that's not an easy, easy. First of all, it's a long trip. Second of all, it's not necessarily an easy trip, <clears throat> but you get you get smart characters you get um you know characters that are very that are capable you know they're not they're not idiots um matter of fact a lot of the really dumb characters that you see there at the beginning um are Matt I'll 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 tell you later I don't want to spoil it for anybody else well I don't want to spoil it for anybody I won't tell you nothing um but Boyd's original gimmick is a gimmick, um, but it's, it's smart. It's well-written. It's very good. Season two has one of my favorite TV antagonists of all time, um, in Mags Bennett. And I can't remember who she's played by, but, um, Mags is both a great character and a very scary one, um. And, uh, the, the, you know, even the weakest season is still good. Um, the, the I, I will tell you the scariest thing that happens in the whole show. Sam Elliott has a role in it where he does not have his mustache and Sam Elliott's face has too much face without a mustache. <laughs> but it's, it seriously, it is such a good show that I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's really really good. It's based off the writings of um Elmore Leonard and you know, he just kind of who who was um who was a producer on the show up until I think season 4 when he passed away. It's just it's good. It's really good. So.
3: Cool.
1: There there you go. Okay. There's my heart set.
0: So, do we do we want to go? I guess we'll dip into wrestling for the next one. So, all right. what, in your opinion, is the best and the worst WWE slash WWF world title belt that they've ever done? And for for the purposes for the purposes of worst, we're all agreeing that that 1983 to like 1984 one that Hogan won is indeed the worst. So,
1: is it just world title or any title?
0: World title, because that's a can of worms that because the problem well i think
1: we we had a whole episode about that so the
0: problem is is if we do if we do best we're all gonna pick like the intercontinental title and that's boring so i wanted to keep us constrained to a belt
1: yeah um why don't uh why don't you guys go first I'm I'm checking something. So
0: I think I think they've actually been on a pretty bad string of of world titles. Like I think the current ones are really bland and boring. Like I couldn't see like wanting to murder someone for that. Um, I didn't like the spin, the Cena spinner belt, and I didn't like the the original unified belt they had.
1: Is that the one that Lesnar was carrying mainly? Yeah,
0: I did not care for that one. It was just weird. Um, I think my favorites are the. The eagle belt and then the attitude era belt, like that big round one. I like that one a lot.
2: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I agree. I would say to me, to me, the golden eagle is still like the classic. I, I would say that is the best one. Uh, worst one? <sighs> That's tough. Um, honestly, like, I've. I now, like a lot of people, have um, affection or nostalgia for John Cena. But I didn't care for the spinner belt. No. I just didn't.
0: It, it was fine when it was just his thing. But when that became, like, the belt for eight years, it got a little much.
2: Yeah, although I did, um, I did like when, when Edge got the title and he put, like rated R superstar on yeah. it.
0: And I liked when Ron Van Dam got it. He's like this one spins.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite promos. It's like I'm the world champion and this belt spins.
0: <laughs> and I liked that there I liked in um one of the Raw or SmackDowns or whatever they're called now games like when you came out you could like hit like the shoulder button and make it spin. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I, um, I I don't know. It just it, it, there's like a lot beyond the spinner, which I didn't like. It was too like boxy and it like was too thick, I think.
1: It was built around um, having that spinner in the middle of it. Everything else is window dressing to that. And so first of all, it would spin. And I thought that looked Damn goofy for your heavyweight title that you, you know you just come walk and like you said if, if it's for Cena fine whatever no big deal but you come walking out to the ring as not John Cena and you've got this belt on your shoulder or around your waist that's just kind of randomly spinning and it looks stupid and everything was just kind of window dressing around it because I gotta agree with you guys I I I, I hated. Like, the spinner belt, when when uh, when Cena had it, fine. That's a gimmick belt. They'd been doing that for people for a long time. You remember the, the smoking skull belt, right? And, and that sort of stuff. Okay, fine. Cena's got his vanity belt. Okay. But then, when someone won it and they just kept the same design, I was so pissed. And I just I didn't want to see it anymore. I just wanted it to go away. And it's just god awful and terrible. And and it, I can tell you the other thing that bugged me is it made it look like I'm just holding this until John Cena gets it back again.
0: That's a good point.
2: Um, can I say another thing that I didn't like? Um, I didn't like it like in the in. I think they did this mostly like in the early nineties. I didn't really like it when someone would win the title like Warrior. And then they would start changing the color of the strap.
0: Oh, uh, see, I like that.
2: Ah, um, uh, see, I didn't like that.
0: I didn't like when they made the IC title like permanently like a white strap, but um, I th- yeah, I thought it was fun like with him. I didn't like it as much with Michaels, but um, I thought it was fun for a while.
2: Uh, can can we all agree that the um, the current belt. Design is kind of just like blah. Yeah, it's really bland. It doesn't,
0: it doesn't help. It's that, not
2: terrible, but
0: well, it really hurts it. What I think hurts it now, though, is you both your world titles and both your women's title is the exact same design, just different colors, and that really takes mm-hmm. any specialness out of it.
1: On one hand, it's like the branding thing, so I kind of get it, and so you know what you're looking at at a glance. This shape. That color, you know which one it is. But then on the other hand, you're right. It's like, it, it looks lazy, right? Just lay the stencil down and and make another one. Yeah. So I, I understand where you're coming.
0: It from. doesn't have any personality. Like I said, like a title belt should kind of be like, you know what? Like I could kind of see like wanting to pile drive someone through a table, just to, like be able to like have that
1: for big gold? Yeah. Yeah, man. You can jack somebody up for big gold.
0: Yeah. And um I and, and I think the current belt's like the, the Smackdown one is just terrible with all the blue.
2: Yeah. Although another thing that hurts them is like it's a very like it's a very bland title. Mhm. And if you look at I would say their two biggest competitors, New Japan and AEW. Like those belts are just like gorgeous. Yeah. And they look like real real titles that you would actually want to win and defend.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And and like they have personality, like you know, those are just like the WWE logo on it. Like you don't even have the world on it.
1: Mm.
0: It's just boring.
1: Yeah. I think um, because I was – Matt hit the nail pretty much on the head. Um, I went back and my first thought was to go back and look at um, not the 83 one, but the 86 title that Hogan had. And I'm like, oh, that was – and then I looked at it and I'm like, "Eh, that looks like the WCW TV belt. So I was comparing Winged Eagle to the Attitude Era rounded one, and they're both so similar to each other. That I'm, it's kind of like, well, how hard is it to tell them apart? Uh, But Winged Eagle, uh, it has more personality. The circular belt seems like it was made so that people quit stabbing themselves with the tips of the wings on that belt. Um, it just, it Winged Eagle just, I think, I think it just it carries more character.
0: Did you did you see the the green one that Hogan initially won? That's just awful
1: yeah yeah I did. I was scrolling through the pictures and I saw that, and I'm like um that it okay that one had this the same thing that bugged me about the n w a North American title is it just it looks like a big golden thing slapped on an appropriately flavored fruit roll up
0: That's a very descriptive term for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I try to I, you know I try to bring the quality. So um, Matt what's
0: your feelings on the the one that that was the the um the follow up to the Wing Eagle like the more round world title?
2: Uh it was okay but I, I was not like the biggest fan. I was trying to pull up every all the world titles. Let me see if I can go back. So what year was that one? It would be like
0: 98, 99.
2: Oh, uh, uh, it's actually not bad. It's kind of a we. It's 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 clearly like an homage to the winged eagle. Mm hmm. Uh, like update. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I actually that's. So that's probably the best design they've done since the Winged Eagle.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, they haven't really done a good job with their belt design in a long time.
1: Mm-mm. The U.S. titles just, I mean, blow my mind. Just in how bad they are. You compare the current U.S. title and the previous one, and they, they look like middle school art projects. They, I mean, they, 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 God bless it. Well, and I guess, what, yeah, I'm not, I'm not impressed by either one, especially when you compare it to the old WCW uh, U.S. heavyweight title.
0: I'm looking at the undisputed belt. I still don't really dig it.
1: It's, it's okay.
0: It's, it's,
1: it exists. It's inoffensive. I would say
0: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, you so. know what I kind of am sad they never did is the Brahma Bull one that you used to be able to buy
1: yeah they were going to and then I, we never saw it on TV and I don't know why not
0: oh that's one we have to talk about that is one that should go down as being the most fantastic but the um oh fuck what was it called the um, sustainable world title.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that gimmick. The uh, it everything about that came together so well. Yeah, and it's really
0: a shame they only used it for like two months because it was way too nice to um to waste like that.
1: You know, they gave that after that was over. They gave that to Brian to take home.
0: Oh, probably
1: yeah they were just like here man this was your idea you take this you you go right on ahead Vince doesn't want to look at it
2: (laughs) I um I think I've I I mentioned this on the podcast like probably like a year or so ago but I I don't really want to collect those belts because I feel they're ridiculously overpriced but I would I would buy the replica of the, the sustainable one. I think that's, yeah. that's a really amusing one.
0: The problem is, like, I, I would have considered it at some point in my life, but when WWE, like, brought the rights in-house, they jacked the prices up. Like, they doubled them.
1: Yeah, and then they run their specials, and it's like, oh, look, belts are 20% off. And it's like, that's still entirely too high.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, you, you took... You're, it's really 10 percent because you gave me like my taxes off thanks
2: yeah uh, yeah it, it i don't i don't really i don't want to pay like four hundred, five hundred 500 for a title even if you dropped like 20 yeah, it, oh, yay 20 off discount it's and, like great now it's only like and they're not 350 even, versus 400 they're
0: not even good quality like i've seen like real be- belt makers talk about the replicas and like the strap is just like cardboard inside like fake leather. Like it's not even like a, what like the real belt would feel like. Mm. So it's kind of a ripoff.
2: I think I've mentioned this on the podcast many, many, many months ago. But the one thing that um, in the pre-COVID days that I thought was a funny gimmick that um, she kind of was going with. But uh, Jordan Grace, if people brought. Uh, like replica belts to the it's like an indie show that she was working she was like you have to defend the title <laughs> and she was <would> like <laughs> basically be like no you gotta defend it and try and like cajole them into defending it and at one point like she actually did defend someone's replica title she was like I'll defend it for you <laughs> and had her match that's hilarious uh, and like oh, won God. and then like gave the belt back to the guy but yeah that that's like a really funny idea yeah I agree that that's a great funny. idea
0: Okay, so we're going to go we're going to go off of wrestling and come back. We have two questions left for the night. These two should be a little quicker, I think. So, uh the next one, and this might be a bit of a can of can of worms, but what is your favorite video game console? And I think uh I think Matt and I are going to probably have similar criteria to what is our favorite console or what would make our favorite console and it's going to involve JRPGs.
2: Hmm. This is tough because it would you say like historically because it's that's tough to say because it's really that's a wow, that's a really tough question. I
0: my problem if, is my problem is mm-hmm. is there's that the top of the list is very congested and like for me the the original PlayStation and the Super Nintendo just duke it out because that is where like I think like my like pantheon of JRPGs came from. Mm -hmm. And, like, both of those machines just pound for... I mean, even if you go outside of JRPGs, like, those machines just, like, pound for pound, like, the quality of games, like, coming out on that. Like, you're talking about, like, Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy VII, Chrono Trigger, you know, Final Mm -hmm. Fantasy VI, like, Super Mario World, you know, Orcana of Time, like... No, wait, The Link to the Past, sorry. I'm I'm off on one. Um, But, you know, just... Street Fighter 2, like the original Street Fighters, like there's just there's like there's just a lot on those machines.
2: The reason why this is also you bring up you bring up a good point without maybe realizing it. It's like it's tough for me because I over the years like my interest and taste changed. So I I, I love the original PlayStation, but all of the games that I was getting in that period of my life were like JRPGs. Yeah. So I was playing like the Final Fantasy games. I was playing like uh, Chrono Cross, stuff like that. But then when, once we got to like PlayStation 2, then I started getting into heavily into like first person shooters. So, and I've, I've kind of been on that kick now for like well over a decade.
0: See, you know, I, never, again, I never played hmm. a lot of first person shooters until, well, Obviously Goldeneye but I really didn't start playing like first person shooters on console until like the three sixty era because to me like mm-hmm. up until like the three sixty era like the first person shooter was like the PC PC realm of game. Like you didn't you didn't get a console to play a first person shooter. You got a, you got a computer for that.
2: Right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I'm I'm more of a console gamer versus a PC gamer.
1: I'm a uh, I'm a PC guy, so whenever I'm looking at, at for consoles, it's I'm I'm looking for, um, sp- you know, stuff that's specifically console, and and what makes that stand out for me. And thinking on this, the difficulty I'm going to run into is uh, how am I going to how am I going to narrow it down and I think I have to narrow it down by which one did I have the most fun with at the time and for me I'm going to break break the mold here and I'm going to break rank and I'm going to say that's going to end up being the N64 because um, for me that's let me see um you had your THQ Aki wrestling games. You had the original Smash Smash Brothers. You had Cart Sixty Four. You had Last um, four. Yeah, you had good driving games. You had. Um,
0: Frozen USA is an underrated gem on on that.
1: That's that's the one I was thinking of. Um, you have
0: two of the best console good shooters. Two of the best um, console Star Wars um flight games because Shadows of the Empire didn't have a bunch of flight stages, but they were excellent, and then Rogue Squadron.
1: Yep. yep. Podracer's um,
0: underrated for that too.
1: I I didn't play Podracer, but I definitely played the others. Uh and um there's another genre I'm I'm blanking on here. I mean, you know, you had Goldeneye. Um and it was nice because it was a it was the first console i remember off the top of my head where it was just straight up uh you know you got four ports on the front of this thing you know you you have got four ports built in this is designed to be you that know was like, have friends over and I, play together
0: if if someone wasn't like old enough to go to like parties or you know stuff in the late 90s that was like the that was like any party like where i lived that you went to from like when that came out, to almost like when I was in college, like there would be an N sixty four running with, with Golden Eye on it.
1: Golden Eye or, or Mario Kart usually.
0: It was the, you know Mario Kart never got played like that here. It was always um, it was always Golden
1: It for for us it was it was Mario Kart. Um, that was that was our jam, uh, but you know just played. So much stuff on there. I spent so much time on all of the AKI THQ wrestling games. I had I had notebooks where I kept track of simming matches for my own promotions, like spiral ring notebooks where I was writing everything down. It, that that was just my console.
0: You know, for for me, I do like the N sixty four. I think where, um, I think where it fell short for me was just the lack of RPGs at the time.
1: Yeah, it, following the Super NES on that's really hard because you had all the stuff you just mentioned. You also have uh, Super Mario RPG, which is just great.
0: Paper Mario so. was an okay follow up, and they really, um, that's really a late one. I also think what hurts n 64 for me is like you can kind of go back and play the super NES games and they hold up but like that a lot of that early 3D stuff can be really rough and really muddy and
1: some of it can be like, yeah
0: I just just like a couple of days ago I was playing Mario 64 just because I thought it'd be fun and I'm like, man like the camera's really rough in this game like I don't know if I can keep playing this.
1: Uh yeah, the the thing that I got out of that is I just have to look at it as this is the style of it and therefore part of the charm and not focusing on like, oh, how is this compared to what I have now? Cuz nothing no, the nostalgia goggles nothing compares to uh you know, nothing compares to your nostalgia for it, so... And
0: the other weird thing is the controller was a lot more stiff than I remember it being. Mm. Like, just the... Just like the, the analog stick and stuff. But, I mean... You know, it is what it is.
1: You get used to that. Yeah. After you've used any... After you've used any um, controller that's got an analog stick to it for a while. You, you, you just get used to it. Yeah.
0: Um so matt are you like a? are you more of an xbox or a playstation guy these days
2: i am i'm still trying to play through a bunch of old games and i mean games from like 10 years ago and i have probably more 360 games so i feel like i'm probably more of a 360 guy although i'm I mean, growing up, it was always, like, it was, like, a, a, a real rivalry. It's, like, are you a Nintendo person, or are you, like, a Genesis person? Because I, my family wasn't, like, rich enough to get both. It's, like, one or the other. Um, now, that was like, as I'm an adult, I have disposable income. Like, I can... Yeah, I Not that I can buy, like, a new game system, like, casually. Like, I need to kind of save up for these systems that cost, like, $500, $600 at a pop, but at least when they first come out. Uh... But because I can like I can just save up and buy stuff, like I don't have like a preference really. It's not like oh I'm choosing one or the other. Like I I can just get everything. And then it's just whatever games strike my fancy. But I probably I probably play PlayStation I oh, no sorry, I probably play on Xbox a little more. Although if you're gonna actually talk about modern systems that I feel actually like hit it out of the park for just convenience and easy play. To me, it's the switch.
0: Yeah, the switch. Um, the switch kind of retired my PS4, and the PS4 doesn't get played anymore.
2: <laughs> I think the switch. They, because I don't feel like the Wii or the Wii U were that great. I feel like Nintendo was kind of just really like just showing their age and dropping the ball. But they, I
0: feel like the Wii roaring was Roaring all... back with the switch. I like the Wii, and I like the virtual console on the Wii. But like, they just needed some more games for it.
1: It seemed yeah. like the Wii was did a great job at picking up the not usual gamer audience. It did. They made so much money off of just being like, "Hey, you folks that don't you normally play video games, would you? You can't. You would you like to go bowling without actually having to go and rent stinky shoes and sit next to that guy that smokes like a chimney? Here you go. Yeah, and." I mean, they sold so many of those. Apparently, those things were like nursing homes everywhere and stuff like that. So uh, they they weren't directed at their their usual audience with it. It was I, I, I thought it was pretty. I will clever. tell you, I, I had to
0: I've had to find I've had to find two switch lights since COVID started, and it is impossible. Like they are they and they just had their earnings report and they 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 made. I mean, they are having money fights. Like, they shattered their projections <laughs> mm-hmm. just because, like, Animal Crossing came out, like, right as quarantine started. And I just think, like, if you're an adult, especially I think if you're an adult with children, it is, and you still want a game, it is the perfect system for you because you literally, you literally can just turn the system off, pick it up, hit a button a couple times, and you're right back playing your game again.
2: Mm. Yeah. The Switch is a is a fantastic console, and one of the things that, I mean, I think they've been smart because they put out like some good quality new games. They're um they're releasing kind of old games too. Like uh, they haven't they announced like quite some time ago that at some point this year, and maybe, maybe it'll push into twenty twenty one, but they're going to release allegedly a lot of the games from uh, the back catalog from Mario games. Just remastered, and there's some uh, there's some old Mario games that I absolutely would buy for the Switch. Even if they honestly, I would there's plenty of like old Game Boy games or Super Nintendo games or even like Game Boy Advance Mario games that or an N64 that they literally could just take the same game and put it on the Switch, and I would just buy it anyway. I don't <laughs> need an updated graphics, just the convenience of me having like a handheld device that I can just play those games on. Yeah. But especially like um, the
0: Mario and Luigi games I would be all yes. over those
2: oh Mario I, was just, I had looked it up to just remember what it was but Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga from the Game Boy Advance that was such a fun game I'd love if they ported that
0: they just um, yeah, they just brought that back for 3DS like last year I think
2: mm-hmm. um, I, the other thing that I think that, it, that the Switch does which I actually think is brilliant um, I, I, you can buy obviously you can buy games uh, on the Xbox or PlayStation marketplaces, but for the Switch, they have so many like third-party uh, developer games, like just indie developers. That if you go on the the Switch, uh, like the Nintendo marketplace on the Switch, the eShop, there is literally hundreds of games out there, and they they add stuff all the, literally every week. They add games, and it's games that's just independent. Um, development studios have done. And most of the games are relatively inexpensive. I mean, there's some games that literally cost like a dollar up to, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks, depending upon how much, like the complexity, how much money, how they've uh, they've spent. There's constantly sales for these games, too. Like, you can go on there and things are like half off or a good discount. And it's great because some of these games they're not necessarily too involved but they're fun they're like there's a lot of rogue-like games there's some RPG games there's like a little bit of everything for people and a lot of them are inexpensive so you know if you have like let's say you have like an extra five bucks in your bank account that you want to spend towards something and you're like oh like I can just pay for this game and download it and maybe it's not a like a Japanese RPG that you're going to spend like a hundred hours on or like you know Zelda that you're gonna spend forever on. Uh, it could be something you just play over the weekend, but it's worth it. Yep. So
3: they
2: they make they make like casual gaming like really really easy, which is for like for me because I'm really busy. Like I can't always devote time to stuff. Like I think it's it's it was so smart of them.
0: And like I take it to work with me. If I go into the office, I'll take my light with me and I'll just play it at lunch. It's super easy. Um, I got Katamari Damacy Like the re-roll version For like 10 bucks on a sale Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Like um, You can just get some great deals If you sit on there And they they have that My Nintendo thing Where you get points back for everything Like every game you buy you get some points back So if you sit on that for a while Sometimes you'll see a $20 game you want And you'll look like oh I've got 10 bucks sitting there Like that I can use And um You're good to
1: go
2: Shad, Are you guys still gonna get your light? I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe you can ask for it, it for Christmas. It's.
1: Uh... <laughs> it would be. Here's the thing: is if I got a switch light, then it would basically be for two games. It would be for Smash Brothers, and it would be for Kart. That I mean, that's that's pretty much what I would be getting it for.
2: Again, though, you might surprise yourself because there again, there's there's there are games on sale on the online marketplace every week. And so many of them are only like a couple bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks, I'm pretty 20 sure bucks. Dead
0: by Daylight's on there now.
2: It, it is. Dead by Daylight is um, on there,
0: yeah.
1: And that might be the only, okay, here's the problem. I'm used to playing that with mouse and keyboard. You, you, you want me to go to, to, to that kind of controls now that they've enabled cross play? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I'm not sure I'm gonna do that. There's there's
0: some other stuff I think you'd like. I think you'd like the zel. I think you'd like Zelda on there. Um, they've got some older RPGs that have come out on there. Like I think you I think you would I think you would say you're gonna get it for two games, and you would find yourself digging into some other stuff.
1: Well, th- let me put it this way: there's a bunch of like if i was going to justify it to myself then i can really only tell myself i'd be getting it for two games cuz i don't know i i don't know off the top of my head of other stuff i would be getting it for so i just say it's those two and leave it at that
0: i have my wife and i between two consoles we have hundreds of hours in mario kart eight it's um it's really yeah
1: cool. yeah i love the karts
0: okay so our last question and um We'll make this quick so we can we can head off here in 15 minutes or so, because we've been mm-hmm. going a while. Um, what is your favorite comedy match or gimmick in wrestling?
1: And we mean intentional, right?
3: Yes.
2: All right. Uh, in general, all-time, all time, specific something ones. Something
0: that tickles your fancy right now. Um, it could be anything.
2: uh I'm gonna think of some stuff but I will just say just generally and I've mentioned this on the podcast like a several times but just a lot of it, orange cassidy's whole gimmick <laughs> yeah. to me is still fantastic and I know Took he's, the words out of my mouth I know in aew they've they've been doing a lot more with him even to the point where you know they've they have been a, a semi like well very high profile feud with Jericho um but just the whole like sloth style gimmick that he runs <laughs> is fantastic. And he's been doing, he's been more physical with in some of these like Jericho segments, but yeah, I, that I think the character is hilarious. The The way they've done the gimmick is hilarious. I was, I've seen a lot of indie matches where he really goes all out with the gimmick where it's like, he, he does moves with the hand, with his hand still in the pocket. And it's, yeah. it's fantastic. He's a crazy athletic guy yeah, and, um, to do yeah. some of the stuff.
0: He was fire in and Chikara.
2: Right, we've. I think we've mentioned that before. I was actually
0: mm-hmm. listening to Gangrel talk about working with him, and that oh, really really? he got like a bunch of hate from veterans and stuff, and that he was like thinking about it, and he realized like, oh, you know, if this is actually gonna work, like I got to work with his match, and he was just like, hey, dude, like let's just do your thing, and and um, tell me what you want to do, and I'll go along with it, because we just we we were having this talk about him, and I watched it because. Um, David Bixenspan Span talked about how did a tweet that I totally agreed with. That he's like your platonic ideal of what a veteran wrestler should be. Mm-hmm. Just that how he's willing to work with everyone, like he has such a good attitude. He doesn't big league people and stuff like that.
2: That's that's really great. Yeah, that kind of offline that sparked a discussion amongst us, and I was saying like I think. I actually now kind of want Grant Gangrel to be the next like kind of old veteran that strikes people's fancy again and he gets like a semi-push, much like TCO or Rock and Roll have in the last couple of years. get that entrance back! Yeah. Bring a fire entrance! He kind of...
0: He kind of... Like, 2019, he was kind of like everywhere for a a little bit.
2: uh, I've purchased it. I haven't had a chance to see it, um, but I did purchase the Collective from last year. And he de- he had uh he had a show he, I'm sorry he had a match on the Black Label Pro Show. He's he's currently 51, but he still looks re- like in real good shape. He does. I mean he's kind of he's kind of like added weight like like so many guys do yeah. when they get to be older. Um, but he still looks kind of bulky. He still looks like in, in shape for like you know a guy who's yeah. gained some weight and bulked up and from from everything I have heard, he does train people, but he's a bear trainer. And he's allegedly, he's just like a really nice guy. So yeah, like David Bixon's fan is right. It, he's kind of like the ideal kind of veteran where he's not trying to get over on, you know, on, on, especially on younger talent, he knows his place. He's got a name so he, you can book him and, and he, he would add to a card, but he also is giving and it's a nice guy like behind the scenes and everything. So I kind of want to kind of want to see a gang a mini gang girl push uh, once once we're going to actually start doing I guess indie shows regularly.
0: Yeah, um Oh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Crap. Oh, going back to Orange Cassidy. Um an underrated Orange Cassidy match is his match with Brian Alvarez.
2: I haven't seen that one.
0: It's on YouTube all of it actually.
1: There's um uh, I did an Orange Cassidy highlight reel dive a little while back and um, the just just seeing everybody that he's done stuff with the who was it that I think it was Jordan Grace that was trying to pump handle slam him and she went for she went for the other hand like he had both hands in the pockets and so she hooked the one. And she was going for the other, but his hand wasn't in his pocket there to do that. And so he just kind of drops and rolls her up for it.
0: He, um, She tried um, to do a test of strength with him, too. And, like, she couldn't do it because she couldn't. He just put his hands back in his pocket while she, like, tried yeah. to hook up with him. Um,
1: and, and from what, what you were saying with the Gangrel story, working with Orange Cassidy, harkens back to what Duke said. You know, there's some guys who are just going to be like, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, we don't want to do that because that's going to get more over than us, or that's not what our idea of is, idea of what wrestling's supposed to be. So we don't want you to do it. So I'm going to crap on it like, and that, say that that bugs me. It's like if someone's going to try something new, roll with it, it might work. See where it'll go. For God's sakes, what's it hurt to try it?
0: Well, I don't get to is like. Why don't you do it and have a good attitude about it? Because it's kind of a night off.
1: Yeah. it's. But no, work that arm. Go out there work the arm. Are you working the arm? Why aren't you working the arm? Are <laughs> you doing a hot spot? Work that arm. I,
0: uh,
1: you, I, know what, I, yeah, you know what bugs me.
0: me about that attitude, though? It's like, so you want to work the arm for ten minutes, but that's not going to figure into your finish, so why did you work the arm for ten minutes?
1: Because that's what we do.
0: Ugh.
1: We like we like that old school chain wrestling.
0: I'm fine with but, that. I'm fine with that you in in context, but like, I don't know. Sometimes you gotta.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hate you it. You
0: gotta you gotta go somewhere with it.
1: Look, my problem with the with the chain stuff was always. Look, if you guys want to do that, that's great. But number one, number one, I don't like doing it. Number two. Um, why in the world, I'm flexible enough that if you're trying to, you know, wrench my arm or something, I'm flexible enough to turn, look over my shoulder, line it up and kick you in the gut so you let me go. Why would I not do that?
0: But you're Uh, also like, as far as a wrestler would go, especially an indie wrestler, I would imagine you're larger. So I don't, it seems like. If 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 I wanted to work the arm in a match with you, like I would do something where you hurt your arm and then attack the arm as like part of the story of the match, not just work the arm like, oh, like we did something and I caught your arm and like kinda got it over the rope and like, you know, you're in a bad spot so I'm gonna go after the arm. But I think mm-hmm. that would be like, oh well I'm gonna do, you know, the whole grab your arm and I'm gonna like do the the knee to the arm and like bend it and maybe like jockey for position a bit but it's going to be more about like oh yeah like you're hurt so I'm going to go after it not like let's just work the arm
1: yeah you would think so but um, even my working the arm I know I mentioned it with Duke but I've got a picture um, squirreled away in here somewhere I'll I'll drop it to you guys later but it's like you know why you know I have never, I have never liked the reasoning. Well, we do it this way because that's how we've always done it. I have never liked that. Um,
0: that seems like a bad logic in wrestling. Like to me, to me, if you said, "Well, why do you do that?" because the fans like it, seems like what the answer should be.
1: Yeah, it, you'll be better with that. But
0: it's like, well, why do you do I... it that way? Because the fans pop for it every time. And then yeah. they come back next week. Like, that seems like what the, what the logic should be.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's why I started, when I when I turned face, I started throwing Bionic Elbow in the middle of matches just as kind of a little tribute spot. And everyone seemed to like it. And then someone's like, why are you doing that for us? Because like, yeah. the fans like it. So that's why I do it. I mean, it's not right that you do that with someone's finish. And I'm like, it's not been anybody's finish since Dusty. Come on. Even Dusty would do like six of them in a match.
0: There was um, there's a Chikara one where um, where I think it's Colt Cabana's doing bionic elbows to people, and I think it's, I think it's, the one the one Olson that made it to WWE quickly like ripped his elbow pad off, threw it on the mat, and elbow dropped the the elbow pad, <laughs> and then he got bionic elbowed afterwards.
1: So, if I'm going to go with... Because Matt's right, and Casty is a great gimmick for that. It I don't know that I could call this a comedy gimmick, because the guy did good work with it. But at least a gimmick that always seemed kind of silly to me. Um, the Disco Inferno gimmick always seemed kind of silly to me, but I liked it.
0: You know, He serioused it up over time.
1: Uh, he did yeah but just you you know you you go from the beginning of it it's like oh this guy's gimmick is that he does disco and then you know yeah that's true but he did other stuff around it and that was fun so you know roll with it um other other goofy silly fun ones the um the Big Show's impersonation spree—I got a big kick out of when when he uh, he kept coming out and doing impersonations of people.
0: Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, what was it, Shonan the Barbarian? I think that, I remember that one.
1: Yeah, and he had the Showster. Yeah, he, he came out as as Hogan Big Show. And um he did uh, uh he he did a Valvinus impression at Valvinus.
0: <laughs> you know, going back 'cause you know, he's an underrated actor. He's an underrated part of Waterboy, which is a movie I didn't care that much about, but I thought I liked his parts. <laughs>
1: You know, it didn't seem to me much like he had to act. No. He could just kind of react to that sort of stuff. Wasn't
0: Mean Gene in that, too? Wasn't Mean Gene interviewing him when they were, like, laughing at I him? I don't
1: think it was Mean Gene. Oh, okay. I don't think it's been so. it a long time. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Waterboy was dumb fun, and that that's all I, I was looking for it to be. Let's see. But, um, all right. I'm trying to think of probably oh.
0: gimmicks, um... <laughs>
1: I guess you could call dude love for the most part kind of a goofy, funny gimmick.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think of that when I think of comedy. The problem with okay. me is, like, I think the Japanese gimmicks are a lot funnier in their implementation than in America, but I think that might be an exposure thing.
1: I, I think they're from at least from what I've seen, they're definitely more over the top, and I think like they're they're dialed.
0: And I think it took America a while to really like start getting um kind of like getting with the picture. I will say I'm gonna go with a comedy match though. Um Jim Cornette versus um oh crap, what was his name? It was Brian Hildebrand as a Ninja Turtle. <coughs> and they even did like they worked the match and the Ninja Turtle even did like the dropping the straps like hulk up at the end. <laughs> And it's a really good match because cause one of the things, I, I don't know if you've heard, Chad, but Brian Hildebrand is actually like a fantastic wrestler that never got a chance because he was too small.
1: I was aware of that.
0: I think he, didn't he train with, wasn't he in that like Foley he, Shane Douglas, like Austin-like yeah. group?
1: No, he was he was already trained by that point, but he would go and do stuff with him because he wanted to go do stuff. Okay. So he was already... Uh, he was already doing it. Um, okay, here I got one for you, and this this is Duke and and Alex both referenced this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out here. I may have done it before, but I'm gonna do it again. Full on goofy, funny gimmick was the Malibu Medics tag team. For a long time, the medic or the medics were meant to be. We need to fill a spot on the card. And so we're just going to have you put on these scrubs and this mask and go out there and get squashed. Well, it became the Medics because they needed to fill a spot as a tag team. And then it became the Malibu Medics. And it that started as a joke. But then one week, one of the guys brought a pair of blonde wigs to put under the masks. And they brought uh, – they got uh, grass skirts to put with it. And they – would make their entrance to the theme from Baywatch, but as soon as they came through the curtain, they'd start running in slow motion. And then their finish, they they would do, Brad, one of your favorite things, the twin switch. But their finish was a running double hip attack. They would sandwich someone in the middle of the ring. Um, I know this because I took that at least twice. It was called the Malibuti. It was a thing of beauty.
0: Did they do the? I, I'm gonna segue that into by asking. Oh, you and the glove. Okay, I'm gonna ask you if they did. Um, if they did a move of of another comedy gimmick, I'm gonna bring up because it is one of my favorites. Did they do? Um, did they do the fanny pinch like loose ice creams?
1: They did not do the fanny pinch. They did. They threatened the proctology. One of them would pull a. Uh, a latex or a nitrile glove out of the out of the scrubs and put it on while the other one had the guy in the front face lock and the spot was always you got him in the front face lock and you get the glove on and you tease it real good and you go to do the proctology exam and the guy rolls out um until one guy didn't roll out because he thought it would be funnier not to and just screeched whenever they did it I mean, just this high pitched screech. Um, because he thought it would be hilarious to sell it that way. And to be fair, he wasn't wrong.
0: I'm going to bring up one last one. Um, it's another Chikara gimmick. He's from ye olden days, so people probably know about him less. But, um, Matt will know who I'm talking about, but Hydra.
3: Hmm.
0: So, um,. Shad, he was, like, this little skinny guy that his gimmick was Mm -hmm. he was a monster, so he didn't talk. He would just growl. And he was part of, like, Mm -hmm. Ultramanus Black and the uh, Neo Solar Temple. So eventually he got an upgrade, so they gave him, like, a muscle suit that was, like, a fake muscle suit. So he would, like, pose and flex and stuff, and then he started coming out to, like, um... Oh, who did I Don't Want to Go to Rehab? What was the name of that song? I mean, who was the, the song? Amy Winehouse. Yeah, he would yeah. come out to that sometimes because, you know, making a joke that he was on steroids. But the best part yeah. is he used to have a MySpace page, and um, he would do okay. blog posts, and then the blog posts would just be gurgur grr, grr, like totally <laughs> in um, in character.
1: Character. Sure,
0: sure. But yeah. they would do like feats oh. of strength with him once. Like they like Ultraman black and Crossbones were sitting around, and he was pulling a Hot Wheel on a string in his mouth and like straining like it was difficult.
1: <laughs> oh, here I gotta add one more. How could I forget this? How could I forget one of the best. Goofy comedy gimmicks, in my estimation, Dragon Dragon, the huge dragon.
0: Oh yes, mm. may he rest in peace because oh. he was killed.
1: Oh, it makes me sad. Did... I guess they had to take the costume back to the store.
0: Oh, and we should talk about it just because I think it's one of the most hilarious things ever. But um, Osirian Portal and the most illegal thing ever in CCW, where they <laughs> hypnotize the backstage area just to win a match.
1: Mm. What was the music they used for that? I've seen that clip so many times, but I don't remember uh, it was, what the music um, was.
0: It was Rapper's Delight from like the late seventies.
1: Okay, all right, that's excellent. Yeah, I, I couldn't make it out on the ones I saw. Well,
0: he used to do that. That was like their big move in matches, is he would hypnotize them with the Euphidian.
1: Yeah, they'd kind of, kind of go into that uh, the wheelbarrow spot, except he'd come up, yeah. and put his hands together, and kind of kind of ride in front of him
0: yeah. it was a, I always love that there's
2: a there's a lot of um there's a lot of chikara gimmicks and, and matches you could add oh yeah uh, I would I'm gonna give honorable mention um, to DDT wrestling because mm-hmm. they have had many 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 um, great like comedy based stuff over the years they're so not purely a, a comedy um, promotion but They've done some pretty funny things, and I had to look it up to, to remember who was in it. I can't remember if I mentioned this to the podcast before, uh, but there was a great match years ago. I'm talking like probably mid 2000s that they did, and I don't know if you recall this one, uh, Brad, the Silence Match. Oh yeah, do you remember? Did you get knocked out if you made a sound or something? Yeah, this was a purely a comedy, but in a brilliant in the concept and it's never been done before. But it was a, a silence match between Nos- nosawa and muscle sakai. And the <laughs> the gimmick was you have to be as quiet as possible. And if you make like a loud noise you you would you would lose. You get like disqualified or just you lose the match. So it was these two guys like working and they're trying to be as quiet as possible. So it's like they would like very gently like, you know, like, I'm gently putting a headlock on you to not make too much noise. And the guy would have to like not, you know, cry out in pain from the headlock, stuff like that. And if I recall correctly, the match ended because one of them farted. Yes, yes, I
3: remember
0: that. <laughs> you know what else is so if, uh, I was going to say uh, what else is hilarious from them? Because it, it's a little earlier that remember when they used to do the campground battle royals?
2: yes. I think those are probably on YouTube it, 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 They're a, a, a thing to behold
0: Yeah And going back to Chikara Was it
2: Kota Ibushi in that? Yes I think so Yeah,
0: And another one going back to Chikara Because it's actually I, I still laugh and I have that show on DVD And I'll always keep it There's a Chuck Taylor and Ultramanus Black Where they brawled out of a building And they brawled onto a playground And Chuck Taylor came down the slide Right into a chop to the chest From Ultramanus Black
1: I still haven't managed to find the... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm deviating real quick. I haven't managed to find the dude love own heart stuff. No. So,
0: um, That's doing with that. the, the campground battle royals... I do remember that silence match. Like It didn't ring a bell until you mentioned the farting. Then I was like, oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I was
2: thinking... GT. Oh,
0: I was thinking the clusterfuck... Well, there's a couple from that. The... the, the Spring Break match with the two invisible men, where it's pretty much uh, Bryce Rimsburg going around with a pair of sunglasses on, pretending like he can see them.
3: <laughs>
0: and then the guy getting DQ'd at the New Orleans one because he pile he gave a pile driver to the invisible man, and the the commission threw him out of the match. <laughs> oh
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much dumb crap that I, I-, I love. And I was showing, I was showing Shad because we were talking about it. I I was asking Shad if he would have actually worked with them. I was showing him like Kaiju Big Battle stuff with, was it Tiki Rilla and Burger Bear that I've, I I said? You... It was
1: definitely Burger Bear. Hang on. I think it's. I'm scrolling up to look at it. Mm in mm-hmm.
0: Hawaiian shorts I think
1: and the, probably it's the chat is loading super slow
0: that's also be, because that reminded me that, um, when Shikara used to do the the creator wrestler do you remember Matt Moss Cow
3: <laughs> I
2: feel like I remember this it yeah. was
0: the cow with like the communist gear and then they did the follow up next year which was US Ape, and they had them wrestle a match <laughs>
1: uh burger bear versus tiki rilla yeah, yes okay.
0: there's a zombie plantain and kaiju big battle too Oops.
1: <laughs> i don't know in japan me just walking in there some people might consider a uh kaiju in, in and of itself
0: but um is it i the Chikara's is just like a landmine like I, I I know Shad's talked about. I think this was your brother's favorite was Retail Dragon.
1: He yeah he got a big kick out of Retail Dragon. Um, it, the thing that I liked was that they were they were always like they would have good ring work, but they were always willing to to just kind of stumble around and see what worked and what didn't, and if it didn't work, they didn't do it again.
0: Yeah. I have to go find that silence match now.
1: That's 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 what
2: that's that's just everybody ought to do that.
0: Damn it, Matt! You're gonna send me on a DDT rabbit hole, probably.
2: probably. Yeah, I mean that's a it's an easy one to go down.
0: You know what's funny about DDT though is people think of it as that comedy promotion, and then they won't listen when you're like, "Well, no, you know." That's a side thing, if you really get into it, it's like a well-booked, like, American-style promotion that does some goofy shit
2: mm. on their show. Isn't, it, real talk, isn't DDT, like, the number two promotion uh, in Japan? Dragon
0: Gate is. DDT's been about,
2: uh.
0: it's been about third, but they, they've kind of been going a little downhill because the booking hasn't been as good. Mm. But I think they're still in that, like, third, fourth spot. But, yeah, they were dragon Gate's been number two for a really long time but ddt at points has been like almost number two Mm. because it's really hard and i know matt's probably run into this when you when you try and talk with like people that aren't as up on japan like they try and argue with you about like noah and all japan still being relevant and it's like well no all japan's gotten better but they haven't been number 2 or number 3 in a long time. It's been Dragon Gate and DDT.
2: I really want to see uh, some All Japan from like the last few years just because I had heard it gotten it got better. And just from like a historical perspective, like I, I love like 80s 90s All Japan, even though I haven't seen like a tremendous amount of it. So I kind of have a rooting for them, but yeah, like it, it's it's kind of sad that they were like so big at one point and they've,
0: Mi, they've and, kind of fallen down. Miyahara and mm. Zeus and guys like that have really brought them back up.
2: That's good. Well, like, I'm happy to hear that. They,
0: they don't have like, their cards aren't deep, like they're they're top heavy, but, you know, Miyahara is really great and you know, they they do a lot of good stuff. I, I if, if I had the time and the money, I would probably up for their their streaming service and like watch everything but time is such a premium Mm
1: -hmm. all right well brad is that our last question yes
0: that is our last question for the night
1: all right well you know what? We've all had fun. Um, I hope you all at home have had fun, too. We would uh, love to hear from you. Please hit us on our social media. Is there you know, funny movies we missed? Are there TV shows you'd want to recommend? Are there funny gimmicks we didn't talk about? Please hit us up and let us know. We would love to hear from you. So this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters, you're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.